Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. He's only 18, and he's already seen too much. Lenny Gray drew upon her anger for strength she didn't know existed within her. In the blink of an eye, her emotions had taken her from sobbing in despair to total anger. I gotta make him some cookies and write him a letter. Minnie, go find me some paper so that Mary can put my words on it. I hope I can find the right things to say that'll comfort his tortured soul, said Lenny Gray. Mr. Bettis' old store, making sure that the flimsy screen door did not slam shut. She raised the Coca-Cola she had purchased to her lips and enjoyed the taste as she drank it slowly. She leaned her shoulder against the post and watched Sonny Boy, John, the one-armed gravedigger, Bunchy, Curly, and a few others. They were sitting on chairs and discarded milk crates, drinking hard liquor, singing blues songs, and sharing the only things they had in common, misery and torment. Lenny Gray heard the screen door open behind her and saw Roy Bryant step out from inside. When he walked past, he palmed her butt and gave it a hard squeeze. Lenny Gray gasped, as if an ice cube had been dropped down her back. She met Roy's defiant gaze and a hard lip line that attempted to pass itself off as a smile. She wondered if he'd lost his goddamn mind. Your ass is round like Tangy Maze. <laughs> you got something I like, gal, and I aims to get it, he said, as if he had every right to violate her the way he had done Tangy May. Lenny Gray felt her stomach turn and tossed a soda into a nearby trash can. Roy laughed as he continued onward. Lenny Gray looked over at Curly to see if he had noticed what Roy Bryant had done, but he had not. He was lost in moonshine and blues music. His drinking and having relations with her were the only things he cared about. Curly, are you coming home with me? We need to talk. Lenny Gray wanted to tell him what Roy had just done. She also wanted to spend time with him. She wanted to talk him into slowing down his drinking. Lenny, I'll be home when I'm good and ready. Can't you see I'm having a drink with my friends? Said Curly, to the complete amusement of Bunchy. <laughs> you love the way the spirits in my moonshine dance in your touch soul. 
Delta Curly, asked John, the one-armed gravedigger, before letting out a haunting laugh. I got good spirits in me now that know how to take away a man's pain, if that's what you're talking about, said Curly to John, who had suddenly lost interest in him. The gravedigger turned in his seat and looked at the horizon as if anticipating something he could not explain. A little modifying and god woman, said Sonny Boy. I'd cheat a right if I were you. A prayer woman like her can save man's soul. Don't be no fool, Kelly. I'd hold on to her if I were you. Ain't nobody gonna mess with my Lenny. Curly drank more moonshine that the gravedigger handed him. Curly took long and deep gulps until his throat was on fire. His belly boiled and he coughed violently and uncontrollably. Lenny Gray's feelings were bruised, but there was nothing she could do or say about it, at least not in public. Stepping off the porch, she began to head in the direction of home so that she could get back to her children. She wanted to hurry and get inside so that Roy would not catch her walking alone. As she began, she noticed someone coming down the road. The person appeared to be carrying an army bag. Is that a soldier? She wondered. The soldier appeared with his back to the sun, which made it difficult for her to recognize his features. Then, Lenny Gray recognized the man's stride because it reminded her of Curly when he was younger and much stronger than the deteriorated condition he was in now. That's my baby. Lenny Gray mumbled the words and then held her breath. She stood motionless, drowning in an ocean of emotions. She didn't know whether to scream or cry or both. Speaking and pointing at the same time, she said, Curly, do you see him? Woman, what is you talking about? The alcohol made Curly irritable. He turned and looked at Lenny Gray, who was pointing at someone behind him. Curly turned in the other direction to see what she was pointing at. Oh, that, that, that's my boy. Curly's heart went into a sprint. <sighs> John, the one-armed grave digger, mumbled. How did that happen? He asked, but Curly didn't hear him. He had already gotten up and was moving as fast as his bowed back and gout-infected toes could carry him. Uh, My boy's back! Curly, who suffered from back problems, trotted as best as he could towards his son, with his failing health reminding him of every step that he wasn't as strong as he used to be. Hi, Daddy! Willie dropped his army bag and embraced his father. Lenny Gray was so overjoyed to see him that she sank to her knees, raised her hands and gazed toward the heavens, and started giving thanks while she prayed. I'm so glad you're back. You don't know how much we missed you. I knew you'd be just fine. I didn't know you were coming home today, said Curly. Did they treat you good in the army? Curly asked 
as he took a long, good look at how official Willie looked in his uniform. You look strong and important, son. Curly placed his crippled hand on Willie's shoulders. Helping his mother to her feet, Willie said, I was treated okay. Once Lanny Gray was standing again, she looked up into her son's eyes as she saw something different in them. No, they didn't. They didn't treat you good at all, Lenny Gray said. It wasn't easy. I done seen and been through a lot. I seen so many things that people really shouldn't see, Willie admitted. I know you have. Lenny Gray's voice was soft and empathetic. It's been hard around here, too. There was a raw ache in her voice that was unmistakable to Willie. He had heard the sound in his own voice. Slumping his head between his shoulders, Curly said, I'm so glad you come back. I really need your help out in the fields. Curly whimpered. He tried to hold on to the tide of emotions that had risen up from his belly, stirred in his heart, and lodged in his throat. He wanted to push those emotions back to where they'd come from, which was someplace deep down in his spirit, but he couldn't because the tide was too strong. Then, like the great flood of 1927, Curly's emotions turned into a river of tears and raw feelings. Curly's legs buckled and he fell to his knees. While there, he cried, coughed, and vomited all of the alcohol that his body had too difficult of a time processing. Not caring about Curly at that moment, because she'd seen him vomit time and again from poisoning himself, she embraced Willie once again. Lenny Gray placed his cheeks in the palms of her hands and studied every detail of his features. I'm in one piece, Mama, Willie assured her. I know, but I see something different in you. I can't put it into words, but I can tell. Lenny Gray paused. Come on, and walk home and get out of the hot sun. I know you're burning up in that uniform. I still got your clothes at the house, Lenny Gray said. Away from it, Curly said tearfully. He was now sitting on his ass trying to stand up, but he couldn't do so without falling back down. He was too drunk. Let me help him get back home, Willie said. Lenny Gray picked up Willie's army bag and slung it over her shoulder. Ma, I'll get that if too heavy. Boy, please, I've carried children heavier than this bag, she said and began walking ahead of them. As they walked through the front gate, Willie noticed a little barefoot boy with no shirt and a pair of cut-off shorts standing still and looking at him confused. Who is this here? Willie asked. He tried to pick up the boy, but he dashed over to Curly and wrapped himself around Curly's leg. Uh, uh, this here is Jesse, your, your brother. Uh, he's two, said Curly, trying to sober up 
your other new brother is inside. His name is Earl, and he just turned one. Willie went inside and sat his father down at the kitchen table. Then he went to a small bathroom to freshen up and change clothes into something that was more comfortable to wear. When he finished, he walked into the kitchen and sat down at the table next to his father who was drinking coffee that Lenny Gray had just brewed. Leyuna, Martha, and Christine, who were five, walked in with their younger brother Earl riding on Leyuna's hip. Willie looked at his younger siblings indifferently because he didn't know what to say to them. He also couldn't remember what they looked like when he left. Leyuna, Christine, and Earl looked at him as if he were a stranger. Their curious eyes asked questions their mouths were not brave enough to ask. Y'all know who I am? Willie asked them. Leyuna and Christine shook their heads no. I'm your brother. Willie said, forcing a smile that made his cheeks twitch. I'm going to cook you something right now, Lenny Grace said in a fuss. How about some neck bones and tomatoes and cornbread? It won't take too long to fix you up a plate. What about everybody else, Ma? They gotta eat, Willie said, sensing that having extra mouths to feed had placed a strain on the family, as it always had. It's all right. I never let none of my children go hungry. Lenny Gray said, smiling. It was then that he noticed her graying hair and deep cavernous lines that had formed under her eyes. Like Curly, she had aged rapidly since he'd been away. Where's Bud, Mary, Lenny Gray too, and Roosevelt? How they doing? Willie asked. Curly repositioned himself in his seat and cleared his throat. <coughs> uh, well, son. Curly did not want to sulk in front of Willie anymore and stopped talking for a moment to get his big emotions under control. It's been hard around here, Lenny Gray said. Hard times just seem to have a hold on us. What are y'all talking about, Ma? Daddy, what's going on? Willie asked, sensing that there was something that he wasn't understanding. He felt a heavy emotional weight settling down on him. Uh, uh, Son... Uh, Mary done left Elmo and run off up north, Curly said. She left Elmo? He said, smiling. I knew she would sooner or later. When and where did she go? They didn't, you know, really get along with one another. They had trouble relating to each other. You understand what I'm saying? Curly hoped his son would catch the meaning of what he was trying to say without having to really explain it. Never mind all that. Where's she at? Willie insisted on knowing. The child? We kept her children, daughter and Revel for a time, but then she come back for them. Said she found a good job up there working in a kitchen at a hospital. Well, is she helping y'all out any? No, and I ain't accepting no money from her either, Curly said. She got three mouths to feed, Lenny Gray said. Wouldn't be right to ask for help. Where's Bud at? Willie asked. Gone, Curly whispered softly. Gone where? Willie asked. Well, son, after you left for the wall, Bud had trouble dealing with that. You were like his better half, 
you have to balance him out some because of his slowness and his stammer. He looked up to you, and with you being gone and all, he really didn't know what to do with himself. Bud was always trying to prove that he was normal and not slow on the uptake. You know how Bud is. He tries so hard to catch on to things, but his mind just don't latch on to stuff like most people. After you left, all of a sudden, Bud started drinking and would do stuff to prove that he was brave like you because everybody told him that you was a soldier and people around here would damn to do this and that and Bud would try it. Most of the time, Bud would end up hating himself real bad, but he would act like he was fine. Curly stopped talking, and the silence that hung in the air was heavy, like thick black smoke from a fire. Lenny, where's my moonshine? I need to calm my knives. This coffee ain't doing me no good. Reluctantly, Lenny Gray moved around the back of Curly's chair and walked into the other room. When she returned, a short time later, she handed Curly his alcohol. Won't some? He offered his son. No, Daddy. I don't do too good with that stuff. Makes me sick, Willie admitted. What your father hasn't told you is that Bud is in jail. Lenny Gray smeared away tears that had formed and trickled out from the corners of her eyes. Jail? What are you in jail for? Willie asked. Ross said he tried to rob General Stowe. Curly found it hard to say the words. But ain't no thief. Willie looked at the two of them. The sheriff come around and said he had a witness that said Bud robbed the store and took some money. Curly tapped his fingers against the table. Who say they saw him? Willie asked. Sheriff never told us. Just said that Bud had to come in for questioning. And son, we ain't seen Bud since. How long Bud been locked up? Willie asked as he began to feel his heart ache. Oh, Bud been gone two, two and a half years now. Wait around town is they, they put Bud on the chain gang. Daddy, me, you, and Grandpa Tom should go up there to see if we can get any information. Lenny Gray gasped and dropped a large spoon she had been cooking with onto the floor. Oh, oh, son. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, there ain't no easy way to say what I gotta say next. Curly paused and then took long gulps of his moonshine to help keep him numb. He wiped his lips with the back of his hand. Just tell it, Daddy, Willie said. Grandpa Tom, Grandma Ida, passed on last winter. They never left the shanty over on that old Bettis plantation. We tried to get them to come out as much as we could, but it was no use. They sort of stuck to themselves. Both of them died in the sleep on the same night. They just died. Curly whimpered. Willie 
felt a deep ache in his soul. Let me have a little bit of that moonshine, Daddy, Willie said, because he knew that the alcohol would numb him out too. Roosevelt still around? Willie asked. I sent Minnie and Lenny Gray too to go get him. He down by the river fishing, Lenny Gray said as she began cutting up potatoes. He'll be happy to see you. Him and your daddy could use all the help they can get out in the fields. I can't take the heat out there no more. I have dizzy spells now. Willie sat still and attempted to process everything he was being told. A lot of people around here act like they gone crazy, son, Curly continued. Huh? Willie said, trying to clear the fog that was in his mind. You should see the way people leave in the fields. They hopping on trains and heading north and west and every which way and leaving everything they ain't behind. They just walking away from the houses that the government done built and everything. Why are they walking away? Willie asked. Trouble, Lenny Gray uttered. The clan been coming around and snatching people and throwing them in the river and even stringing some folks up in trees. That's why I don't like Roosevelt going down there by the river. But your daddy gave him his old shotgun in case something happens. Willie groaned as if his soul was being pulled from his body. Are you okay, Sean? Uh, are you sick? Curly asked. I'm just sorry to hear that people can't live in peace. So many of us black soldiers felt like we were fighting to prove ourselves worthy of being Americans. We thought that if we helped win the war, all that clan stuff would stop. Son, Curly said, all you got to do is just stay in your place back here with us. I'll keep you safe. Willie held his head up and shook it disapprovingly. He wanted to say, like you kept Bud safe, but he didn't. He just knew that there was absolutely no way he could ever live the way his father was suggesting. He had traveled to other parts of the world. He served in both the European and Pacific theater. He had seen and experienced way too much. Tell him about the cotton, Lenigree said. Oh, it's a bad situation, son. Curly held his head down. I never thought I'd see a day when I couldn't make a living farming. I always thought, as long as I could work, we could make it. You're not making any sense, Daddy, Willie said. They got machines now that pick the cotton. They call it um, Mecca, uh, Mecca, uh, Mecca sensation. I, I can't pronounce the way you'd write. Let me put it to you like this. They got a big tractor that can do all the work. They don't need people out in the fields no more. Not like they used to. I keep hearing stories about the machines doing all the cotton farming, and it's just a matter of time before all of us poor black farmers will be pushed out. Daddy, why don't you and Mama and the kids move up north and... Uh, we too old now. Curly raised his gruff voice, but it was diminished by his coughing. I don't like big cities because there's too many people around. You know that. We gonna do just fine right here in Mississippi. Now that you're back home from the war to help out, we're gonna make it, son. 
We're going to survive, and when Jesse and Earl get old enough, they'll be able to come out in the field and help us. Maybe one day we'll get enough money to buy us one of them cotton machines. Curly reached out and rested his heavy and guilt-filled crippled hand on Willie's shoulders. I'm so glad you're home, son. I'm glad the war didn't take you away from us. Willie's stomach curdled like milk that had gone sour. Here's your plate, Willie. Eat up. Lenny Gray placed Willie's food in front of him. The scent of it made him nauseous. Willie? Something wrong with you? Lenny Gray asked concerned. Willie looked deeply into each of their eyes and tried to find the courage to tell them that he had no intentions of staying in Mississippi. Donovan had already helped him to get a job at a slaughterhouse and a kitchenette apartment in Chicago.